for one final time in the 2021-2022 NFL season. Let's get into it. The Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL Podcast. That's it. It's all over, fellas. The longest season in NFL history has come to a end. The LA Rams taking the Super Bowl glory. We'll break it all down over the next half an hour to 45 minutes or so. Let's welcome the regular chaps in. Josh, evening, buddy. How are you doing, mate? I think I've just got the rest of my sleep back from uh, Super Bowl Sunday, as is customary. Always takes a couple of days. I'm feeling fresh enough. Let's uh, Let's get into it. Indeed. Steve, how are you, buddy? Yeah, doing well, doing well. The season is at an end. The Super Bowl has happened and it all feels like it started about a week ago, how much it's flown by. And now we have to accept that there's no more football for seven months. Oh, this is the worst part of the season. But yeah, uh, just enough time for us to recap on, on what was, I think, a, quite an exciting Super Bowl in a, in a sort of non-conventional way. Yeah, it had, its, it had its moments, didn't it? It certainly had its moments. We we joked that obviously we expected it to have certainly more points than the last time the Rams were in it, and it, it certainly delivered that. Um, so let's get into it, fellas. Um, obviously, started off the Rams taking the early lead. Josh, I'm sure you were delighted to see Odell Beckham Jr. being the man to bring in the opening touchdown catch of the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. Um, he, he was always going to be the threat. And you could see that from the way that the, the way that when he came off, the fact that the Rams offense needed the entire rest of the game really to recover and understand as to how to play without him shows the importance of a, a of a really high performing second wide receiver is to the Rams. Um, you could tell that the, the, the Rams ended up playing a blinder with you know, the, the way that which the wide receiver market worked out, because with Robert Woods gone, you did need someone there to, you know, take that workload because there was always going to be, be opportunity when you've got cup on the field that you could have someone just taking it home. OBJ did that. And then obviously late, not too long after that, he um, had to go off. So, you know, it, it it's one of them. He, he had a great game up to that then as well. Um, stuttering offense, I thought, from the Rams um, before, um, after that, and then before the final drive. So it was good to see some flowing offense from the Rams, at least. Yeah, like you say, it was the second drive of the game. The, both both teams opened up a little bit nervous to begin with. Um, the Bengals going four and out, Steve. So a bit of a gamble, really, from their own, well, just inside, just inside Rams territories, from the Rams 49-yard line. So you could almost argue they were in a little bit of no-man's land. Um, but ultimately, that did backfire pretty quickly. Um, it was the first big play of the day for Cooper Cup as well. The, um, you know, in the in a couple of plays preceding the touchdown, he went for a 20-yarder. Um, Everything did seem to be clicking for the Rams at that stage, didn't it? 
I mean, I, I I sort of praise the Bengals for going for it. I think you know fourth and one in they might have been one yard in the territory, but they were still in Rams territory. And at that point, obviously it's so early in the game, the Rams just look like they're stuttering. You, you know, it's I don't think there was a score on the board at that point. Like I I, I sort of I back it. I think why not? Why not go for it? Why not try something a bit different? Like what are you going to gain from a punt? You're going to gain what twenty yards, thirty yards because it's going to be really hard to down a punt inside the 10 when you're kicking from your own 40. Like I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. So I, I back it, I back going for it. And, you know, this Rams offense certainly wasn't clicking like it has in previous games. Um, I certainly don't think that that fourth and one failure led to them losing the game. They had far more opportunities to go down the field. Um, and so, you know, I rate that. I rate the move. I rate that, you know, let's be aggressive. Let's go for it. You know, they get that one yard conversion and all of a sudden, you know, that first quarter could have come out a bit differently. Um, so I don't blame them for going for it. Um, I think this, it started out, like you say, very nervy. Um, but I think we, we have to sort of touch on the, the the big injury to sort of start because I think that's sort of almost defined the, the first half. Um, Odell was looking really good, must I say. Um, I thought his, his, his playing that first drive was excellent. Um, touchdown pass was, was sublime. The the catch was, was shades of like old OBJ, like the OBJ that we, we sort of saw, um, you know, light up the scene in, in New York. Um, and then obviously just a horrible injury off, uh, you know, off ball, not even, not even uh, no contact. Um, and you, you just, when you saw him plant his foot and then he sort of jumped up and instantly in pain, you knew, I think we all knew what it was. And it's, it's so crazy how, what seems like such a small insignificant thing can then lead to a nine to 12 months absence for a player. Um, and it was a shame because I think he was playing really well and, I, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen how that Rams offense would have coped with him through the whole game, and I, I think they would have put up more points with him taking away some of the um, uh, some of the pressure. But and I don't think the LA receivers outside of Cooper Cup did much to help Matt Stafford. Um, but you know, I wonder. I wonder as well. Take away from the game for a second. I wonder if that's the last time we see him on an NFL field. He turns 30 in November. Um, he's going to be out for most of this year, if not all of this year. You know, to do your ACL in the middle of February, it's already an eight to nine month at, the, at best recovery time with no preseason whatsoever. I wonder if he even plays next season. You know, and then is it, you know, what market is he going to have if he does come back for someone coming off their second ACL tear on the same knee, I believe, as well? Um, you know, that's not, not great. So I wonder if he ever plays again. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We can probably debate that um, either a little bit later on or in a few weeks' time as we get into the off-season. But yeah, it was um, it was certainly, like I say, an impressive opening from the Rams before OBJ, OBJ had left. Um, they found the end zone for the second time with Matt Stafford, an 11-yarder to Cooper Cup, who, you know, everybody basically on the Bengals' defence bit on the play action and it's always easy looking back retrospectively, Josh, but you've got the league's reception leader, the league's yardage leader, you know, the guy that's got the most touchdowns and, you know, you just think, just cover that one guy. Do you know what I mean? It's like everybody bit on it and it was so open. You actually heard the crowd calling the play before even Matthew Stafford had seen it. It was that far open. Everybody could see, but, you know, the Bengals completely bit on it, didn't they, mate? And, you know, it was, it was well executed by the Rams. I mean, you, you've said it better than I could. If you've got a player that is so likely to get the ball in a particular play, 
you you're going to put at least one person on him and let the others do their thing. You know, I I look at teams which I keep more of a focus on with the Ravens, for example. I would never not have a player player on Andrews, for example. You know, Cup is that guy with the Rams. Chase is that guy with the Bengals. You know, always have one player on these guys because otherwise they will burn you. And that's exactly what happened. And Cup ended up later on as well doing exactly what Cup um, this season deserved to be able to do, I think. I know we're going to touch on that later, but, you know, Cup is one of those guys who, if you give him the ball, he seems to just do whatever he wants this year. And he showed it on, uh, he showed it on Sunday. And deservedly yeah. got MVP, I think, as well. And I, I know that's probably a conversation for later on, but I wanted to throw that in already. I think that he was uh, he, he was the guy that sort of put the Rams on his back. Oh, yeah, down the stretch, he certainly turned into the coup. The, well, there was probably three stars to the Rams, like you said. We'll come on to it as we work through it chronologically. So here we are at this point, like I said, the, the Rams' second touchdown on the board. But there was a potentially pivotal bodged extra points. Um, don't see it very often, do you? But Johnny Hecker couldn't get the ball down from a, you know, what was a, seemed like a good snap and all the rest of it. And, you know, that potentially could have caused a bit of carnage later on. And to some extent, it, it certainly would have changed the way that the Rams had to think later on in the game. And it did become pivotal because they were down four rather than down three towards the end. So it, it did make the, the end of the game more difficult. Um, but ultimately, at this point, you know, everything seemed to be in control for the for the Rams, they were up by 13-3, to three, so they'd, they'd built a double-digit lead. Cincinnati hadn't really offered anything offensively at this point, but they finally did put a drive together then, Steve. Ended up with Joe Mixon um, actually throwing the ball on a very nice play. You'll, you'll like a little trick play from the Super Bowl. The Philly Special still gets plenty of love four or five years on, doesn't it? So this was a nice drive from the Bengals. It showed a lot of balance. I think I actually thought Joe Mixon had a superb game. It seemed every time he got the ball, he was running hard and, and seemed to get plenty of yards after the catch. Uh, well, yards after contact or yards after the catch. Um, and this drive culminated, like I say, again, in a clever play. Looked as though it was going to be a toss sweep. Mixon got the ball again. Everybody bit on it. And there was T Higgins just for a nice little floated ball over the top. Lovely play, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, and, and a couple of things to take away from that. I think um, T Higgins has quietly had an incredible season. It's yeah. been it's been marred by Jamar Chase being incredible. You know, Chase has taken all the headlines, but T. Higgins has, a, has a thousand yard receiving season himself and has been quietly excellent for the Bengals. And that's exactly what you want from your number two receiver. Like, obviously, Chase is now going to be the number one for the next decade, and him and him and um, Joe Burrow obviously got this chemistry. But what goes un, unrecognized a lot of the time is T. Higgins, and again, he had he had a good game. He was their leading receiver in the game from four catches, hundred yards, like. You know, obviously, he had that really long one. So the second, but you know, this one, the trick play, like you said, I've seen it tried to be replicated so many times since Philly did it. Even in the same bloody game, the Patriots tried it and failed, and the Rams tried it as well in this game and also failed. It's really hard to do when you've got a non-quarterback throwing the ball. I think it just shows how difficult it is to be a quarterback in the NFL. You know, it might not seem like too much of a of a sort of thing to do. Or you've only got to throw the ball ten yards to, to a guy that's probably going to be wide open. But it's amazing how far. Um, how far Cooper Cup blazed that ball over Matt Stafford's head when they tried it. Um, but no, this was this was where Cincinnati came alive, I think. Up until this point, you know, it's 13-3. 
um, you sort of think to yourself, well, if they can't score again here, this could start getting away from Cincinnati pretty quick. And uh, there was, you know, people were talking about how this could be a sort of second half comeback, and you know, Cincinnati seems to be better in the second half. But you know, you got, you, let's say they're at twenty to three down at the end of the first half. That's a big deficit to claw back in a Super Bowl. Like I know Tom Brady did it, but Tom Brady's the best player to ever play the game. I don't know if Joe Burrow's quite the same just yet. So. Um, this was, I think, this was needed, and to do it in such style sort of cemented how good this Cincinnati team have been all season. Um, and I agree, Joe Mixon. I thought he had a great game. I'm surprised they didn't give him more carries. To be honest, um, I thought that the run game was working for Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and and they just didn't give him enough carries. Like I know you've got this great connection with Chase, and I know that Joe Burrow's great at throwing the ball, but do what's working. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Like yeah, five yards a carry on the ground. Yeah, Why aren't Joe you Mixon doing it? It's what Sean game. says every week. Yeah, give me a running Joe. bet that's doing five yards on the ground every play. Yeah, and Joe Mixon was getting success on the ground, and they just didn't go to him enough. I don't think so. You know, I think they should have leaned on him a bit more. Um, and but you know, they they you know they go in at the half, although even after that score, sorry, it comes to thirteen ten, and all of a sudden you know we've got a game in our hands. Um, and yeah, I think this that was crucial. I think that was sort of a crucial point for Cincinnati to hang on in the game at that point. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I say, from a neutral perspective, it's exactly what we needed and wanted. The proceed, the, the drive that preceded that is the drive that Odell Beckham picked up the injury and you just felt as though there was a big momentum shift there, didn't you? Like I say, the Bengals had scored that touchdown. OBJ, who was, like you say, having a good game at that point goes down and all of a sudden, you know, there was a, there was an interception from Matt Stafford, which, you know, to be honest, for me, that was more nothing more than a glorified punt, really, third and forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got no problem with that. You know, it was it was picked off by Jesse Bates in the end zone. Um, the Bengals then essentially had a drive that went nowhere and the Rams returned with a drive that went nowhere. He kind of petered out a little bit towards the half, but we got to the half at 13-10. Um, and like you say, coming out of the second half, Bengals get the ball. You think, here we go. Um, little did we think first play of the second half, though, Josh. I mean, to be fair, I always think, you know, one of the first plays of the game, whether it be the first half, second half, get the ball and get it deep. Because at least then the defence has got to respect the fact that you're prepared to do the. Now, you could talk us through what the officials were looking at, because it obviously wasn't the play, because it was one of the most blatant infringements to never, ever get called. Um, but ultimately, it goes in the stat sheet as a 75-yard touchdown, Burrow to T. Higgins. Um, and all of a sudden, from a position of being behind by double digits, the Bengals actually took the lead at this stage. Yeah, talk about a momentum shifter, this one. Um, so, obviously, you had the Stafford interception, of which was also, just to uh, add to it, the... Uh, I can't remember which Bengals player it was who wasn't in uniform, came onto the pitch and uh, started dancing with the rest of the defense. Vernon Vernon Hargraves, what a player. That's the one, Vernon Hargraves, of which basically carried a 15-yard penalty from that, of which meant that the Bengals couldn't do anything with that interception. So, Matthew Stafford, you had the best punt of the game. Um, by absolute far. <laughs> <laughs> I love, just quickly, Josh, sorry, I love that there was a shot just after he did it when the Rams had the ball of him just on the bench looking really glum and you just know <laughs> the court just laid into him and like you sit there and you don't move for the rest of this game. <laughs> He's not coming back to OTAs next year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My God. Um, so yeah, so you've got that and and even though it was a glorified punt, it is a momentum shifter in of itself and then you have this my theory is that Snoop Dogg's flipping blunt because he was definitely caught smoking weed at the, at the halftime show. 
there are remnants of that in the air of which the refs <laughs> seemed to uh, just take a bit of a whiff on just as this happened, because you would have to be blind. And in fact, actually, no, because that is being ableist. You, you just have to be just not existent for a few seconds, not to see the incredibly obvious face mask on Jalen Ramsey. T. Higgins gets in the end zone fair enough, but it's a play that definitely shouldn't have shouldn't have happened. But it did exactly what it needed to for the Bengals. Like you say, get it deep and you know, get them to respect the game absolutely. But this immediately puts you in a situation where you're compounding the Rams on their own injury problem with OBJ and being unable to do anything on offense. Um and also you've got Sean McVay, who is only doing basically runs on first and second down at this point, And they're getting about 1.4 yards a carry, um, no matter what they're doing. They can't get it to cup because he's double covered. So all of a sudden, the momentum is completely in your favor, rightly or wrongly. Um, from that point, you th- you have to think it is all in the Bengals' hands at this point and just keep on confounding it. Yeah, and look, we talked a bit headed into the game, didn't we? It almost felt like an air of destiny about it. And like you say, you get this sort of no call at the start of the half, which allows them to get that lead and, and the touchdown on the board. Um, and then the very next play, Matthew Stafford. I mean, I've, I've got a feel for Matthew Stafford. He goes down with two interceptions in the book. Like I said, one's a glorified punt and this other one. I mean, how these are the kind of interceptions that need to go against the receivers and not the quarterbacks, aren't they? Because it hits Ben Skoronek in the hands. Um, he doesn't hold on to it. It bounces up. Um, and a Wouzier picks it off for the Bengals. So all of a sudden, they're now in prime position again, starting at the Rams 31, Steve. But this was a sign of things to come. Because on third and three from the 11, Aaron Donald, with his first sack of the game, came up big when it mattered. Like I say, we'll get into how things transpired. But after only taking one sack in the entire first half, Joe Burrow, in essentially, you know, you might as well call it his first drive of the second half, because like I say, only threw one pass on the first drive. So on the first sort of sustained drive, this was the first time he was sacked on a third down and Aaron Donald, and it, it ends up being obviously crucial in the end um, when, once you look at the final score. They have to settle for an Evan McPherson 38-yard field goal, which after, stay, after starting at the 31, they'd have been disappointed with that, wouldn't they? Because like Josh said, all the momentum was with them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, Aaron Donald is talked about as one of the best in the game because he comes up in these big moments and he makes plays when it matters. Not He doesn't just add to his stat sheet, you know, once or twice a game. He makes plays when it matters. And he was bullying the, inter- the um, interior uh, offensive line of, of Cincinnati all game. He just wasn't quite getting home in the first half. And I think in the second half, uh, the floodgates sort of opened at this point. I think this is when... You know, things started to turn a bit sour for that for that Cincinnati all line, and I, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to to a further discussion about Cincinnati and their deficiencies and what essentially lost in this game. But it just showed that eventually they got tired of blocking against the likes of Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Co. And it just it just eventually started to give. And actually, I think this the Cincinnati. Um, Pass rush had the better first half. They got to, yeah. to Stafford a couple of times, and one of them a really, really good sack. Um, but then this one, like you say, sort of changed the game, especially as as they sort of marched down the field in in you know in eight plays, um, uh, you know with such little 
a yardage to show for it in the sense that eight players 11 yards and it took four and a half minutes to do so um, and it all ends with with a field goal after he's sacked and loses nine yards so um, I think this was a start of sign to come because after this like you said there's the field goal from LA and then there was seven consecutive punts from from each team like you know that this was the sign of where this be, became a sort of battle of a war of attrition from here and i think donald set the tone um this became a defensive game of football um and i think that's what i said at the top of the show that how this was an enjoyable super bowl but not in the conventional sense because it wasn't a shootout this wasn't a this wasn't a philadelphia versus new england this wasn't a, even it wasn't even a blowout like broncos panthers back in 2015 this became a war of attrition this was a, a defensive game of football where they were battling in the trenches and there wasn't it you know if you're a fan of offensive football it wasn't fun to watch no um, it really was not <laughs> but you know the the defensive side of it showed and i think that's what eventually you know um gave the result we got yeah like you say you've alluded to it there that you know like i said that the rams answered that ever mcpherson field goal with a field goal of their own and and then we sort of seemed to slip into about an hour of actual you know physical time of of like you say, teams essentially not really going anywhere. Josh alluded to it earlier. I would have been frustrated as hell as a Rams fan watching the amount of times they handed the ball to Cam Akers for him to just run into his own offensive line and, and gain a yard or get back to the line of scrimmage. And it, that was seemingly going nowhere. Joe Burrow was either throwing short slants for five or six yards or, you know, or, or like you say, Joe Mixon was, was doing some decent stuff on the ground. He was going at four and five yards a clip, but there were too many sacks that crept in in the second half. And all of the Cincinnati drives there after that Matt Gay field goal, Burrow was sacked for minus seven yards on a second and six, ended up at a third and 13 that they couldn't convert. The following drive, he got sacked on a second and 12 for 10 yards by Von Miller, ended up with a third and 22 that they couldn't convert. The following drive after that, Von Miller for a sack on third and nine, add on a 15-yard penalty, ended up at fourth and 29. And every single drive you go through, this is where the problem started for. They couldn't hold up, they couldn't keep ahead of the chains. And as good as Joe Mixon was, the sacks and the penalties that they ended up taking ultimately negated all the good stuff that Mixon was actually doing for them on the ground. The Rams, like I say, for whatever reason, just seemed intent on feeding Cam Akers. Cam Akers had quite possibly one of the worst Super Bowl stat lines probably ever for a running back. You know, it wasn't for a lack of opportunity. 13 carries. 13 carries for 21 yards. He had a lung of eight. So that's 12 other carries for 13 yards net. But Do you they... know what I love? Uh, it's not so much Akers one, it's Henderson's. So they, they thought maybe it's maybe it's the actual back. And then Daryl Henderson, four carries for seven yards with an average of 1.8. And then they thought, you know what? Sod it. Sony Michelle might be able to do it. Two carries, two yards. Honestly, just bonkers. The, the best rushing average was Matthew Stafford, three for six, and one of them was a nail down at the end of the game. It's just absolutely, <laughs> absolutely bonkers. But yeah, they, they seemed obsessed in there. So like I said, we sort of seemed to, to sort of end up in this sort of period, if you like, or like I say, 45 minutes to an hour of actual time in the early hours of the morning that neither team seemed to go anywhere. Cincinnati had several drives that they could have put the game to bed. Um, you know, ultimately with a long drive, you know, or, or whatever. But af- after that Rams field goal, like Steve said, there were seven drives where the teams punted to each other, three and out, three and out, three and out, five and out, three and out, seven and out. It ultimately took the Rams to realise that actually we've got Cooper Cup on this team. 
we'll stop throwing the ball. We'll stop running the ball, and we'll start throwing the ball, Steve. And on that on that game winning drive, as it turned out to be, six minutes thirteen left on the clock. Let me count how many times Matt uh, Cam Akers rushed uh, twice, twice in a fifteen play drive. They've gone from giving him seemingly the whole game plan to basically ignoring him. And the only run that he had on that one, guess what, was his eight yarder because actually yeah. they'd softened it up. And it actually then worked for them. But all of this was Matthew Stafford, essentially, to Cooper Cup or Bryson Hopkins, who, to be fair, as the third or fourth choice tight end, actually ended up having to play a fairly significant role when LBJ went down. Well, just talk us through that game-winning drive, mate. Like I say, it was a 79-yard drive in the end, covered 15 plays. It really ended up being the Stafford and Cooper Cup show, didn't it? Yeah, as the story of LA season, really, it's sort of poetic that it ends. It started with those two and it ends with those two. Um, and I think what uh, what will probably go unnoticed a lot in this in in sort of years to come when you look back at this game is just how important that fourth down conversion was. You know, at the at LA's own thirty-seven, they're on fourth down. They need, I think, they only need one yard. I think so. It's not far, but they come up with a nice little play where. Um, Stafford hands it off to Cup of all people. You know, they, they like you said, Josh. They, they, maybe it's the back. Let's try a wide receiver instead of a instead of a running back. And he, and he I'll you know, never he, suspect that. And it turns you know, he out cuts, they didn't. Exactly, he cuts in left and, and gets the gets the first down. And and it sort of became of a any which way possible for LA. But you know, they moved the ball well, like you say. Um, uh, I think the the third was it third choice tight end you, you mentioned Hopkins um you know he he contributed which they needed to because I tell you what outside of Cooper Cup no one could bloody catch that ball no, no one and he sort of makes you feel a bit sorry for Matt Stafford he's still I mean you don't feel sorry for him he's just won a Super Bowl but you know, he's trying to do all this with people who literally can't catch the ball I think once OBJ went down you got Cooper Cup being double covered and you know Van Jefferson didn't have a great game um you know Bobby Trees is sat on the bench with torn ACL wondering you know, God damn it, why can't I get in this game? <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, but they still managed to drive down the field. Um, I, I do, I like that they still did give Akers the ball a couple of times because you have to run the ball occasionally. You have to keep the defensive line honest because if you just pass the ball all the time, they're not ever having to make these tackles and having to, oh, you know, bring down the man. So you have to run it, you know, and keep the defensive line honest. So even if he only picks up a couple of yards, it's still, it's wearing them down, wearing them down and wearing them down. And eventually, the, you know, the pass to who else? Who else but Cup? Um, and I think that pass cemented his position as the MVP. And I think we, have, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but I think this, this, the MVP was sort of decided before the end of the game. And actually, had it had it not have been, it might have gone to a certain other earlier round. Um, but no, a, a long drive and probably, you know, a, a, we were all longing for this because we just watched, like you said, about an hour of just attritional defensive football with nothing exciting to shout about. And then all of a sudden, when they converted that fourth down, you think, "Oh, hello!" You know, this this Yaleer offense has got a bit of bit of life about it, a bit of substance. Maybe they are going to drive down because if they don't score now, you know, Cincinnati could really run out the clock and potentially end this game. So, yeah, great drive, um, and then it puts the the ball in Joey's hands, and can he do it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, a shout-out to Bryson Hopkins. I mentioned him a few times. Caught one ball in the regular season, fellas. He had four targets in this one. Caught all four of them. And like you say, he was actually a really reliable pair of hands. And hopefully for him, he's earned himself a spot a little bit higher up the depth chart for, for next year with the Rams. 
There's a few plays in this sequence, though, Josh. I said it was the Cooper Cup show, and there's obviously certain stuff that'll go in the stat sheet in terms of the the seven-yard rush. He also caught balls on here for 22 yards, for eight yards, and obviously ultimately ended up with the touchdown. But there was a sequence of three plays um, where there was a defensive holding on Logan Wilson. I know a lot of Cincinnati fans weren't happy with that, but... I think ultimately, if you're gonna if you're gonna have the Jalen Ramsey call at the start of the half, I'm sorry, but these things even themselves out. You know, it was it was soft, but it you know it it was what it was. You then had an incredible catch from Cooper Cup, which ultimately got wiped off the board for offsetting penalties. That won't go in the stat sheet, but that was an absolute stunner. And then the following play after that, of course, you get Eli Apple. He was always going to end up on the stat sheet, wasn't he, with his holding call, Eli Apple. Honest to God, what on earth was he? he? He was just grabbing anything that moved in front of him, wasn't he? There was no way he was getting beaten, but there was no way he was played properly either. Yeah, no, that was a bit of desperation, wasn't it? Um, I actually think that the refs, uh, they, they obviously had a mandate to try and let stuff go on Sunday and just let the football speak for itself. And I think that you saw a lot of stuff that could have been called on both sides not being called, but all in the aid of letting the football speak for itself of which is where the the call right at the start on Cincinnati's I think it was their first drive where Ramsey got a bit of what I think was T Higgins towel on the way to um to them batting down their first um their first attempt in the end zone it might have been their second or third drive actually um you know, that wasn't called, but these were. And Eli Apples was uh, just egregious. As soon, as soon as that one happened, you sort of just give a bit of a chuckle to yourself and just go, right, okay, so you weren't confident in your actions then. Um, and it just sort of allowed things to, to, to go on. And at that point, you knew that the Rams were going to score a touchdown because the Bengals just seemed rattled and spent, to be honest. Um, I think that when when it gets down to that and you start thinking about being desperate, about being tired, the the defense was out for a long time at that point, um, especially relative to the game as well. And it seemed that you could do whatever you wanted. It wouldn't matter because Cup would be there at that moment. It seemed like he had that superstar ability mode on Madden or something like that because he was going to find a way no matter what. So, yeah, you know, you can say what you want about the officiating, but realistically, I think that things even themselves out pretty well. Um, I definitely have no complaints about the overall results, albeit from the ref's perspective. I actually think from the officiating perspective, like, you know, we've talked a lot all the way through the season about how it seems like the officiating has sort of gone down a level this year. And there's been so many games where there's been calls that, you know, no one really knows what's happened. Whereas this game was the opposite. I actually think this game was really well officiated. I love that they let things play. I love that they let just, you know, they weren't calling little nitty gritty fouls. Um, and I think they were just letting them play. There was obviously the two main calls, one for Cincinnati and one for LA that didn't get called, or sorry, did get called. Um, and and I think they sort of offset each other a little bit. And, and you know, once you sort of take that into account, I don't think you can really complain at the officiating this game. You know, the Logan Wilson one was soft. It was really soft, but he did have his hands over him and... and if you're going to do that in the last moment of a game... if you're The going last to the moment of a Super Bowl. 
the, the if you're going to give the reason, the, the refs a reason to throw, throw a flag, they'll throw a flag, you know. And 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 I think especially that you know you could probably say, well, maybe they've have they been told about the 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 face mask that they missed? You know, I don't know what the what sort of communication they get from that. There was also the the pass interference earlier in the game as well that that wasn't called, and I don't think there was much that you can really complain about. I thought it was officiated really well, and I thought you know it all comes out in the wash, and that is going to be a bitter pill to swallow for Cincinnati because of that that call. But at the end of the day, they also benefited from a 75-yard touchdown that absolutely should not have stood. It should yeah. not have stood. That completely swung the game. Yeah. And look, we could talk about this at some other point, fellas. We've got, we got seven months to find some stuff to talk about, so we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. I often think with these things, when you've got the technology, a bit like VAR in the Premier League, it can and can't, you know, refer to on, you know, officiate on certain things. And it's like, in today's day and age, very quickly, somebody could have looked at that T. Higgins touchdown and just said, you've got to overturn that. I know that it's not a reviewable play. I'm sorry. What a load of bollocks. You know, it's just get the right call in. And that's all everybody wants. Challengeable. Just make clear and obvious errors. Exactly. Reviewable by Skycam. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, we digress. So, Steve, you teed it up for me, mate. You said, like you say, put the ball in in Joey Burrow's hands and could he do it? You know, that was was the question. Um, Obviously, they were down on the scoreboard for the first time um, in the second half after, like I say, basically being in the lead throughout it up to that point. Um, And again, he just got this feeling of inevitability that Evan McPherson was going to get his chance to go and probably take the game to overtime. And it started off well, didn't it? You know, it was a good um, completion for 17 yards to Jamar Chase. Jalen Ramsey got a bit greedy, thought he might be able to to pinch a ball and, and ultimately cost 17 yards. The next pass went for nine yards to Tyler Boyd. Um, but then Aaron Donald took over, didn't he? So, Samar JP riding third and one. You thought he was going to get there. And Aaron Donald, you know, just one of those tackles that probably didn't get enough credit at the time. But obviously, when you look that at what it ultimately huge. led to, it was huge because he didn't let the guy fall forward. He dragged him back, put the Bengals into a fourth and one situation. And then it was, of course, Aaron Donald again, then with the pressure that broke things up. I mean, ultimately, he'll go down as an incomplete pass to, to, towards P. Ryan. He was the, the nearest guy to it. But let's face it, Burrow was just trying to get rid of that ball because he obviously knew he couldn't eat a sack at that point. Aaron Donald just took over on those last two players, didn't he, mate? He won them the game. He won them the game. It's that simple. And that the the tackle, like you said, that doesn't he's not going to get recognised, the one to make sure that the rusher didn't fall forward. He's got him with one arm, like he's falling away himself and he gets him with one arm and manages to pull him, you know, back to back to his way. And it's such a phenomenal feat of of physicality to do that. And you know, we you sort of run out of superlatives to describe Alan Aaron Donald because he's done it all. But I think what it's what's incredible to think about is that how long he's been doing this and just how consistent he is and how how um stabi- how much stability he's got in the league in the sense that he just never he's never injured as well i think since he started since he started in the league he's missed two games and he's been a pro bowler every year apart from his his rookie season um Sorry, sorry. No, he was even a pro bowler in his rookie season. Like the guy is insanely good, and yeah, he won them the game. And he may not have had the sack on the last play, but it might as well have been a sack. You know, Joe Burrow gets the ball out, but there's no when really no not catchable pass, and that and that ices the game. And and you know, I think those first two plays, the one to chase and the one to um to Boyd, you look at those two and you think, oh hello, you know, they're in, they're already in 
in the LA territory with two plays. You know, the 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 passing game's running, working. The, you know, they they get in territory and they haven't even started running yet. And we all know LA can't stop the run. And then all of a sudden, it just didn't work. Just just one set of da- one set of, of of downs, and it just it just nothing worked. And you know, then Aaron, the Aaron Donald show started. And I think this is where my vote uh, would would lie. And I think maybe this teases it up nicely for us to discuss the MVP because I think. This was the Aaron Donald game. And you look at that passage in the third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter where nothing happened because it was just a defensive sort of to and fro. And that's because of his his ability to just, just jam plays and just to stop rushes and, and, and stop the quarterback getting the right throw out. He is an incredible internal defender and his ability, I don't think we will see again for a while. Um, he's talked about potentially retiring. Who knows if he will? I'm sure we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. Um, if he does, you know, what a way to go out. You know, yeah. eight, eight or nine time pro bowler, finishes with a ring. Those last and two plays. Exactly. Will always be remembered as one of the best defensive tackles to ever play the game. And the fact that he does all this from the interior and he's not an edge rusher makes it even more impressive. Um, but yeah, for me, this was the Aaron Donald game. I think he ran the show. I'm surprised he didn't have more than two sacks, but I think when you've got him and try to double cover him, that opens up lanes for other pass rushers to get home. And that's why Joe Burrow got sacked seven times. And ultimately, the the storyline for the Bengals, and whilst they came so close, and they did put up a mighty fight, and you know, props to the Bengals, and their fans should be you know holding their heads high because I think they put on a brave performance. And this certainly wasn't a walkover. And this was a you know, we all said this was going to be a one score game and look at it it's a one score game you know um they really did put up a good fight but it ends as the as the season begin as the season began is can you really go all the way when you know that Joe Burrow is going to take three four five sacks a game and you know we were talking off air Josh before before we started you tallied up all of their sacks this season and he averaged just over three sacks a game every single game this year and in, with the highest one being against Tennessee in the playoffs, we had nine. He had seven yeah. in this game. Like you can't. I'm sorry, but you can't be sacked seven times and expect to win the game. That's so many sacks. Um, and so you know, they're gonna, I'm sure they're going to invest in the offensive line. But meanwhile, Aaron Donald absolutely ate him for breakfast. And you know, I think he won his team this game. And if he does go out, he can go out probably as one of the best defensive tackles to ever play the game. Yeah, hard to disagree with, with any of that, mate. Josh, let's look at it then from a a Bengals perspective. We've gone through the game there chronologically. Um, like Steve said there, you know, obviously it's become almost par for the course in terms of, of Joe Burrow not getting the protection. We've talked about the fact that sometimes he does hold on to the ball too long as well. You know, I think it'd be it'd be unfair to say that all of those sacks are on the offensive line because they're obviously not at times. He, You know, he does have a, a tendency to hold on. Um, you know, when, when he should be getting rid of the ball. But, you know, overall, really, like I said, the, the Bengals had four offensive drives before the Rams put that touchdown on the board. And, you know, they were on the field for a minute and 33 plays, two minutes, 11, three plays, two minutes, 36 for five plays. You know, that they, they couldn't sustain drives. And as many bells and whistles as the Cincinnati offense has got because of the players in terms of their name and, and some of the things that they've done in the regular season. I think this game just highlights the fact that they've had a really magical run this year. And I actually think, and I'm not just saying this as a Browns fan, I actually genuinely think that the Bengals have got to struggle to get back to the postseason next next year, let alone the Super Bowl. And I know that Bengals fans will be, you know, sort of saying, well, you know, 
the players are young and they're all going to come back in terms of the skill positions and all the rest of it. But, you know, the, there's a lot of problems still for this team, in my opinion, to, to address, and they're not going to address them all in one off-season. So I'm going to let you take the heat for that with our Bengal supporting comrades this week. But I'm just going to leave a nice little wink there to say that, <laughs> you know, that I definitely share your view. Um, yeah, so uh, this is going to sound a little harsh, but I found both offences poor on Sunday and one team had a reason and one team didn't. You know, the Rams had the reason of the fact that their, you know, their, their, their ace in the hole got injured with an ACL tear about 10 minutes into the game. Whereas the Bengals had, you know, there, there was no reason that they're this gunslinging offense that is supposed to be able to take the top off teams playing against a, a team that, yes, they, um, you, you know, you look at their, their defensive line and you look at Jalen Ramsey, but. As you noted earlier, Sean, they didn't have they, they didn't get past the O line that much early doors. Um, most of the sacks were in the fourth quarter, I believe. I think they only got one sack until the uh, fourth quarter started. And Jalen Ramsey had probably his worst game in a Ram shirt. Um, you know, he, he Chase got past him often, and it wasn't even close. You know, Chase really was the um, the better in that competition on Sunday. They just couldn't seem to get past this incredibly conservative mindset, it seemed, where most of Burrow's passes were short, yet again. I think that's something of which uh, Zach Taylor schemes up purposefully, that most passes are quite short and they depend on yards after the catch. Um, but, you know, be adventurous if it's not working. Because when they did go adventurous and they did shoot down the sidelines, it was working. Um, it just seemed that they just did not want to. And then when we actually look at the when we look at the actual pivotal play, that four from one, I get wanting to do some misdirection perhaps with Perrine. I, I get wanting to, you know, look for the mismatches. But Mixon's averaging four point eight yards a carry. You need one yard. Your offensive line has actually been good at providing you with rush protection. You need one yard. Just take the yard. Take the yard and breathe for free plays. You know, there, there was time. In fact, I, I reckon that you probably only needed another set of downs to go past. And then you're in money map position, or whatever the hell they call him, position. <laughs> so... You know, it was there in front of them, but down, due to both conservatism, well, I say both, I'm probably going to bring up three points, conservatism in terms of the play calling, um, then you've got just a lack of being able to get the ball off in time. You know, Burrow did hold on to the balls again, and also from those sacks, 40 yards were lost on the passing yards. It's a lot of yards. Just throw the ball into the dirt. Um, and then just... Yeah, I, I, I look at I, I look at the receiving yards as well. T. Higgins did get four receptions for a hundred yards. Take away that one at the start of the second half, and that's twenty-five. And then you got Jamar Chase with eighty-nine, Tyler Boyd with forty-eight, and then you got twenty-five for T. Higgins plus that touchdown. You know, it 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 shows that the Bengals just did not play their style of football. 
Yeah, and it was it was a bit of a, an offensive letdown. It's got to be said. Go on, Steve. You want to make a point on it? I think it's similar to what Josh was saying. I think this was actually a really badly coached game on both mm. sides of the of the of the of the field. Um, I think you know Sean McVeigh was determined to go with the run, and I think of something like of their of their first eighteen players, something like sixteen of them or, or something that like quite high were, were runs, like, and it just wasn't working, and it took him too long to realise that it wasn't working, and by that point, then OBJ went down, and then you've sort of like you said, Josh, they've lost one of their races in the hall, and becomes a lot more difficult to make the pass game work um but then on the other side cincinnati weren't rushing enough like you said the rush was working and they just weren't doing it enough and i think it was just a really badly coached game and i and when you know as much as it is a defensive battle it's certainly that second half when you have all those punts in a row you can certainly you know attribute that to the defenses and how well they played but also you can attribute it to poor um, play calling, you know these are the best meant to be the best two teams in the NFL. The Super Bowl is meant to be the pinnacle of the NFL with the best two teams going head to head. And yes, the defenses can offset and can you know can cause that. But you look at that second half and the amount of three and outs or or, or, or like five and outs. You know there was just no offensive game you know, game planning whatsoever going on. And I think it was a really badly coached game. You know, there was flashes, there was moments, there was the big touchdown in the start of the second half. There was Cooper Cups, like you said, that Cooper Cup catch, you know, that, that actually got chalked off due to the offsetting penalties. It ended up being a phenomenal catch. And it is a real shame that didn't count because that was that was sublime. Um, you know, there was there was bits and pieces here, but ultimately, you know, from a coaching standpoint, this was actually quite a poor game. Yeah, if you want to talk about bad coaching, the best stat to go for in terms of bad coaching offensively, third down efficiency. Bengals at three of 14, Rams six of 15. Three of 14 is criminal in the Super Bowl. The Rams defense wasn't that good. It was good, but it was nowhere near that good. Yeah, like I say, I think yeah, there'll be... Um... There'll be a long, hard look at, at sort of where it did go wrong. Like you say, for me, I, for whatever reason, it just did seem a little conservative on the Cincinnati side of think when they went deep. And I think sometimes when you've got a player in Jalen Ramsey who probably believes his own hype and believes it far too much, I think they're the kind of players that you can go at. Some teams are scared to mm. go at those players, but actually you can almost play on their arrogance and go deep because you know they'll they'll give you the opportunity. They almost want to come down with the glory play at the other end. And yeah. like you say, when you've got a receiver as good as what Chase has been this year, um, you know I think they could have taken more more shots in that direction. I think look from the defensive point of view, I thought both teams were excellent. You know, particularly in that second half, you know the Bengals defense equally. You know, look at the end of the day, like you say, we can criticise Sean McVay and rightfully so. But I thought once again that Bengals. Defensive line, Hendrickson, oh, Hubbard, Reader, absolutely phenomenal that as they have been all postseason. So, look, there's there's plenty of building blocks there, but it's a strange one really because his attention now very quickly turns to next season because that's what we do. Um, both of these teams, like I say, for different reasons, and and look, you know, like I say, the Bengals lads in the group, you know, are genuinely disappointed for 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 the guys that the Bengals didn't get it done. I've been vocal about that all throughout the postseason. I'd rather the Bengals won for those guys, but you know, ultimately, I do think, like I say, both of these teams for different reasons. I struggle to see an obvious route back for them both. I think the Bengals are going to be in a tough division. I think 
the Ravens surely can't have as many injuries as they had this year. And I think for me, the Ravens open up as favourites in that division, particularly with the schedule that they've got um, for finishing last this year. You know, the, the, the sort of different games that they will play, I think, really do sort of benefit them massively. I think if the Browns can obviously get some consistency from the quarterback position, if Mayfield can come back from his injury and be anything like the version of himself that he was, to, you know, to open the season, which feels like a lifetime ago, but obviously the back half of last season as well. I think the Browns will be right there. So the Bengals are in a tough division. You look at the Rams, there's talk of, obviously, like you said, Steve Aaron Donald retiring. There's even talk of Sean McVay going into broadcasting. I mean, we'll wait and see what, what happens there. That seems a really strange one for the youngest ever coach to decide already that he's going to hang it up. I think that seems a bit premature. But obviously, you know, they were all in to win it this year, weren't they? Now these players have done it. We had a similar situation with Tampa Bay last year, didn't we? And they essentially got everybody back for another stab at it. Maybe the Rams will do the same, but they've got so many players that are going to be free agents and that are on short-term deals. And we know how tough that NFC West is. So I suppose, Steve, out of these two teams, you know, I mean, analyse them both by all means, but, you know, which one do you think has got the best chance of a, a, a return to, to sort of deep postseason action next year? I mean, look, we've, we've mentioned it before, like... It's so, so hard to even get back to the ball game a second year in a row, let alone win the championship back-to-back. And the last team to do it was the Patriots in 3 4 Like That's how long it's been since anyone's gone back-to-back. Um, I don't think either of these teams go back next year. Um, I think there's going to be too much changeover. Um, you know, we just talked about all the Rams potentially. Some even if even if none of those guys retire, they're still losing their offensive coordinator. There's going to be a couple of guys out on on free agency that are going to be going. Um, you, you're going to assume that Whitworth's going to retire. You know, he's he's what 40 now, and he's a, you know he had a great season, but he's he's done it all now. He's he's won his ring. He's going to go, and that'll be a big loss for them. Um, you know, everyone's a year older. Can they still produce at the same level? All it takes is a couple of injuries, as the Ravens proved, that you know your season fall, falls apart. Um, and like you say, they're in a really competitive division where you know San Francisco are on the rise, potentially new quarterback there. Arizona are going to be in the conversation whilst they've still got all the weapons that they do. Um, and Seattle, you know, they're going to try and bounce back, you know, in that division. Um, meanwhile, in the you know in the NFC, you've got teams that are getting better and better and are going to be in the conversation. You know, there's it's too early to talk about potential teams because I think there's going to so much is going to go on in the quarterback carousel and the draft and all that sort of stuff. But it's just not going to be easy at all. And then from a Bengals perspective, you you sort of hit the nail on the head there with the, the division that they're in and how difficult that is. But I think you look to I think a perfect example of where the Bengals sit now is the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs have got Patrick Mahomes, they've got one of the best coaches in the NFL in Andy Reid, and then they've got weapons like Travis Kelsey, like Tyreek Hill, who are both relatively injury-free. They don't really get injured, so they're always on the field. And even with guys like that, the Chiefs have really struggled to get back to the ball game. And even get, when they get to the ball game, they've only won it once. I know, you, I know only once, you know, I say that, you know, some teams would give the left arm to win it only once. But, you know, from my perspective, like, you know, the, 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 going back to the ball game is by no means, uh, you know, uh, just said and done. And I think... I think this is the Bengals' best chance, and I think it's only going to get more and more difficult because, like you said, they've got holes in that roster that they're going to need to address. Je- a certain Jesse Bates is a free agent this year. He's going to get paid an absolute fortune because if he doesn't buy Cincinnati, he will somewhere because he's a good, good player. Um, you know, and that and that window's ticking now. Joe Burrow, that's his second season done. They've got two years left of Joe Burrow on his rookie contract. Jamar Chase is going to want an absolute fortune when he 
comes of, to an extension, which is a few years off. But that you know that that offensive line we've talked about it all season. That offensive line is the first place they need to stre- strengthen, and whoever they bring in, whether that's a free agency signing or whether that's through the draft, you know, there's no sure thing in the draft. Um, you know, so they're going to have to spend some money to do it, and I just don't think that the, that the you know there's teams that are already chomping at the bit in the AFC to get into that Super Bowl. You've got the Bills, you've got the Chiefs, you've got the Titans. You know, the, the Patriots are getting better every year. That You know, the, like you said, the, the teams in their own division are going to be coming back next year to be stronger and better. So I, th- I don't think either of these teams go back. I, I really don't. I, don't, I, I think you, we're going to see some wholesale changes amongst LA. I think the Bengals are going to struggle to, to sort of, you know, get enough firepower to go back. And, and I think they had a lot. And you were the sort of proponent of this, Josh. I think they had a lot of luck along the way this year. Um, and I think a couple of results went their way when perhaps like this Bengals team, if we're, if we're going to be honest about it, this Bengals team probably shouldn't even got out of the division, the, sorry, the wildcard round. They should have lost that game to the Raiders. They really should have. Yeah. And they didn't. So, you know, a lot of luck helped them. And it's, it's really, really difficult to repeat in the NFL. Um, and I, I don't think either of them will be back. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to pile on, and and I feel like I've been the main proponent of, uh, of what you guys have said all season. So I will try and put it in a slightly different uh, further. Um, to to straight up answer your question, Sean, as to who I think has the better chance, I'd say the Rams, um, and I do think it's by a country mile, simply because of the competitiveness of the conferences. I think that with the NFC, you still have a massive gulf, and I don't think that changes this year. I think that you've still got another year, probably, until that gulf starts to short, starts to narrow. Um, you know, the Rams had 12 wins this year. Even with uh, the changes of which are likely to happen, you could still easily see that being somewhere in the 10 to 12 mark. A 10 win should see you in. I mean, my God, we had a we had a season where. Uh, who was it that ended up in? Uh, you needed nine wins with the Eagles to get in. And at one point, you might not even have needed that. So, um, you know, I think that they still do have a year at least, even with Keteris Paribus, where you just see those guys go and not replaced, where you would have it, you know, where the Rams could get in. The Bengals do have a much more difficult path, I think. Um you know, as I've said previously, and as Steve has alluded to, the Bengals benefited from a number of things this year. The AFC North was just battered with injuries, like really impactful injuries. Meanwhile, the Bengals were relatively untouched by injuries. Um, this obviously being the case that they were battered by injuries the year before, but you take it on a year by year basis. Um also, they had the easiest schedule by DVOA in the league, I think it was, or they were 28th or something stupid. But, the, you know, they had a much easier ride next year. They're going to have probably the second or third worst um, schedule by DVOA. So all of a sudden, you know, they've got to go and play the Chiefs, um, the Bills, the uh, the Titans. You know, they've got to do that again. Um, you know, as a first things first, let alone the fact that they then have to go and play the Patriots and the Dolphins. You know, I, I expect the Dolphins to be better next year, for example. Um, you know, they've got to play those teams um, all over again as well. Um, so I do think it is a much more difficult path. However, the Bengals do have a great talented side at the moment. You know, I'd kill for the Bengals' weapons. Um, you know, the Bengals have cap, so they can get an offensive line in 
Do I think the offensive line is the only place where they have gaps? No, I do think their defense needs a few tweaks um, to get to get themselves right. Um, but they can make a run for it. If they decide that they are in now to win now, then they should absolutely look at maximizing themselves much in the same way that the Rams did and the Bucks did, for example, to get their contracts all up in a row so that they can go after it for the next two years. You need to. You need to whilst Chase and Burrow on cheap deals. You need to whilst you have these weapons um, because it won't last forever because the cap is a thing. Even though the Rams seem to defy it every year, um, you know, it is a thing. The Saints are learning that now. You don't want to end up in a in a situation where it is just pure chaos. But um, it's not all doom and gloom. But you have to understand that there are reasons why the Bengals are able to progress so far. And it is a mix of talent and luck. And you, we've seen teams win Super Bowls on that. Yeah, no, listen, mate, no, it's definitely not, it's certainly not a pile on at all. Like you said, they've had a phenomenal season. That should be celebrated. But I think the beauty of it is, and I always say this, is bittersweet that Super Bowl Sunday, but everybody wakes up the Monday after zero and zero, don't they? Everyone's yes. back on a level I've playing field. I've seen that field. so often. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's back on a level playing field. Now, the beauty of it, of course, is everybody is going to strengthen in the off-season. Everyone's going to look at where the holes are. They're going to try and plug them. They're going to bring in free agents. They're going to address it in the draft, et cetera, et cetera. I've heard people say if the Bengals bring in three or Offensive linemen, they'll be the league's best team. But then on the flip side of it, I'm sure you could say, well, if, if you know, this team had this defensive position sorted, they'd be unstoppable. And that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Everybody's going to try and strengthen and try and get and right. And also three elite O-linemen are just out there willing to play on the cheap. <laughs> Exactly. I always love this time of season when people put up those the, you know, theoretical trades and it's like, yeah, you do realise there's another side to this trade and why on earth would that team even want that player or, or why would they even give up on that player? So, yeah, it's always always amusing this time of year. But look, that's the stage that we've reached, fellas. We're now a couple of weeks away from the combine and then before you know it, free agency will be here and we'll go around the cycle all over again. It's been an absolute blast, fellas. It's been a strange season in a lot of ways. Um, been some strange results. It was probably a strange Super Bowl in terms of the the participants certainly heading into it. They certainly weren't necessarily the favourites going into the season. Well, that's the beauty of the NFL. Any given Sunday, we love breaking it down each and every week. Thank you to everybody that has listened throughout the course of this season. It has genuinely been a blast. To you two, thank you for each and every week. We've pretty much been a threesome most weeks. We've all had the odd week off here and there, but I think between us, we've pretty much been on week in and week out. So thanks to you boys, it's been a blast. We'll be taking a bit of time away now to recharge our own batteries at the end of the season. There may be some changes coming from a full ten yards perspective but we'll keep you up to date with all of that it's been a blast until we start the 2022 coverage thanks for listening to the full 10 yards podcast and we will see you all very very soon thanks for listening to the podcast don't forget to find us on all our social channels twitter instagram facebook tiktok and youtube head over to our website full10yards.com where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game